It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, J.J. Redick was interviewed by the Raptors for their head coaching job. Is that a bad thing? Does it portend bad things to come in the Raptors coaching search? Or is it mostly just fine and part of the process? We'll get to that, plus Pascal Siaka missing all NBA, a listener question about the mid-level exception, and so much more coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on? And welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, episode number 1400 of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, May the 11th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors not only for 1400 episodes of this podcast, which is crazy, uh, but also for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the show for free on your favorite podcast apps. And of course, uh, go and join the Lockdown Raptors Discord community. It's super fun. Got about 60 folks in there talking ball, whether it's playoffs, whether it's Raptors offseason machinations and as of tomorrow the zelda tears of the kingdom chat is going to be popping off so jump on in the link is in the description of the podcast come hang out in the locked on raptors discord server it's a rocking good time all right let's get to it on today's show we are digging into a whole bunch of different topics bit of a sort of an amuse bouche uh like hors d'oeuvres canapes like of topics i don't know little little tiny one bite topics that we'll go through here got jj Reddick interviewing for the Raptors head coaching job. We've got Pascal Siakam missing out on All-NBA. Uh, not especially close, though he did get some votes and was one of the first forwards left off. Uh, and we will also get into a listener question later on regarding everybody's favorite extremely expensive coin flip, the mid-level exception, and the guys the Raptors might be able to go target with their MLE this off season. All right, before uh, we get into the MLE stuff and Pascal, let's talk about the J.J. Redick thing, shall we? Report comes down yesterday from Adrian Wojnarowski that the Toronto Raptors have interviewed J.J. Redick, of course, long-time, I think 16-year NBA player, one of the best shooters of all time, uh, now podcast man who has a podcast network and uh, does ESPN all the time and yells at Stephen A. Smith when he says wrong things. That's always a fun thing. Uh, He's interviewing for the Raptors job or has interviewed for the Raptors job. Uh, I believe Michael Grange was at Actually, the first to report this, I think Woj got in there a little bit later, but uh, yeah, Grange, want to give proper credit there. He was first on the J.J. Redick thing. And I know, like, I try to, like, not be on Raptors internet as much as I used to be these days, just out of, like, mental health purposes. But uh, it did seem like there was, like, a bit of, like, a backlash and ridicule over the idea of the Raptors interviewing J.J. Redick. And look, 
was he or is he at the top of my list of candidates? No, mostly because I don't know what the hell he would do as a head coach. We have no proof of concept with him. Uh, it's, you know, it, again, we've talked about this before. It's very unknowable what coaches actually do and what their strengths are until they're kind of in the job and you can see how it works all in practice. Uh, but, you know, obviously there's not the coaching experience there for J.J. Redick and... I think, you know, the reason to maybe take issue with this is a guy like Reddick kind of, quote-unquote, jumping the line, as it were, when it comes to the coaching carousel. And this has been an issue with the NBA's, you know, frankly, their hiring practices for years. Is like, just, okay, well, random player here, let's jump you ahead of the line and, and jump on in. And, and while I think that the folks who have paid their dues as assistants and put in the years, gone to the G League, spent their time, you know, Becky Hammond coaching the Vegas Aces, spends time on the assistant bench with the Spurs, all this stuff. Like, while I think that experience and sort of living in the job is very important and probably something that's an asset when you're interviewing a potential candidate for a head coaching job, I don't think it is like totally 100% insane to think that J.J. Redick, who seems like a pretty affable guy, who I guess has intentions of getting into coaching, it seems, um, and, you know, maybe can, like, kind of get on the level of the players and, and, and sort of, you know, kind of relate to them a little bit more effectively, like, that feels like a really important part of the job in 2023 in particular. Seth Partnow, who does great analytics work over at The Athletic, he's been kind of going off on this on Twitter a bunch lately regarding the Mike Budenholzer firing uh, and then kind of just sort of in general talking about coach philosophy and, you know, X's and O's are great. You can have all the X's and O's you want. You can have all the tactical uh, scheming you want. Ultimately, the most important thing a head coach does in the NBA is communicate and relate to the players and get them pulling in one direction. We've talked about this a lot. In a league where a lot of teams are talented, there are good players up and down rosters everywhere. The Raptors are no exception to this. The differentiator in a lot of these cases seems to be which teams can get on the same page with one another, which teams can cultivate some kind of chemistry. And yes, it's a chicken or egg thing. Yes, the teams that win are usually associated as teams that have great chemistry and vice versa. But I, you know, I think it's undeniable and we saw it kind of play out this season you can have all the talent in the world, you can have lineups that make perfect sense, but if there's not a cohesive direction and team identity and this sort of playing for each other ethos, then you're going to be left in the middle muck of the league with that talent you have on board because you have to take that talent and elevate it some way. And barring adding some new player, the best way to elevate it is to kind of get everybody pulling in the same direction to become one of those teams that's more, you know, more than the sum of its parts or whatever the phrase is. You know what I mean. You know, I, I think... I understand where the thinking is that maybe J.J. Redick could be the type of guy for the job. Do I think the Raptors are going to hire J.J. Redick? No, I don't. I, I think, you know, this has been a very, and will continue to be for, it seems like a while, Michael Grange kind of gave like a multi-week timeline, it seems, for the Raptors. Maybe by late May, they have a short list, and then they kind of make a call in the early part of June to give some leeway before the draft to get the coach kind of in, on board and involved in the draft preparations and all this stuff. You don't want to leave it too late, but the Raptors still have time here. And a lot of this coaching search has just felt like names getting reported and then reacting without really any basis for said reaction to whatever 
the names are. And, um, you know, as much as I would love to see them go hire a Becky Hammond or Charles Lee or Chris Quinn or whomever, like we're a far, far away, away from far, far away, away. Sure. That's yeah. That's where the star Wars galaxy happened. Right. Um, but we're a ways away from knowing here and there's going to be more of these names that drop. There are going to be names that raise eyebrows. There are going to be names that are exciting. I think it's wise to not get too bent out of shape over any single person getting interviewed. And frankly, I think it's a good thing that the Raptors are casting a wide net here and going to maybe names that haven't been in the coaching carousel or the sort of the, the interview circuit for a long time. You know, it sucks for those who have paid their dues. And, you know, it seems like there's always people who kind of get to the precipice and then never quite get there. And then their name kind of falls out. A guy like David Vanterpool kind of comes to mind as someone who got really close to a bunch of head coaching jobs and didn't quite get any. And you could argue that a big part of that is people kind of coming in and jumping the line. But ultimately... I think 16 years of playing in the NBA can be a prerequisite to being a good coach. Does it mean that J.J. Redick will be a good coach? No, but there's a lot of lived experience there. There's institutional knowledge. He's played on a lot of teams that had great chemistry and some teams that had awful chemistry. He's seen the Lob City Clippers and their downfall. Um, you know, he, he's been around the way, and I think... There is something to the idea that J.J. Reddick could bring like a fresh perspective, an interesting take on the team, while also enhancing the podcast game of the Raptors franchise as a, as, as a whole as well. Um, you know, you can't underrate that. The podcasters. This is how we get exclusively podcasters credentialed to cover the team. This is how we get back in, baby, is J.J. Reddick takes over and it becomes a podcast-friendly media operation. Um, I kid. We love the, the, the Raptors PR folks. It's all good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is like... This is just part of the process. Names are going to come out. Some will sound exciting. Some will not. But ultimately, the reaction is not based in a whole lot because most of these people we have not seen on the job, right? And we have no idea what they would bring, what they're bringing to interviews, what their pitch is to the front office in these interviews as to what they would bring to the job. Um, you know, it, it's so unknowable that I think any reaction one way or another to a name being reported as someone who the Raptors are interviewing is probably a little bit unnecessary but hey i'm not here to tell raptors internet not to overreact that's what raptors internet loves to do and that's why we love all of the raptors internet uh people uh <laughs> let's uh continue on here we'll come back on the other side and we'll get into pascal siakam not making all nba which is disappointing of course for pascal but uh has some pretty serious ramifications as it relates to his extension which could come up this summer and we'll dig into all the different possibilities now that we know that Pascal Siakam is not in line for the designated player extension and is more in line for just a regular veteran extension and what that could mean. Will he get to free agency? All that good stuff. It's coming up in just one hot second here. Before we do that, however, I must tell you, better pals over at eBay Motors. Look, when you're building a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Raptors fans know this. That 2019 team, everybody fit perfectly. It was like this beautiful jigsaw of basketball geniuses, and it all worked out well. It's the same deal when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know that your part will fit. And if it doesn't, your money back. 
because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors, and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time after all. It's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay, guaranteed fit available to U.S. customers only. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, continuing on here, your first listen of the day. Thank you so much to the everyday listeners of the podcast. Thank you in particular, if you're an everydayer out there who has listened to all 1,400 episodes of the podcast, please let me know so I can send you a medal and, uh, like, apologize? I don't know. I feel like there can't be anyone who's listened to every episode, but if there is... I love you. You're the best. I think there might be one Discord member, and that person knows who it is, who I'm talking about, who might have tuned in to all the episodes. Either way, thank you for the support of the show. And uh, by the reminder, tomorrow on the show, Raphael Barlow, our pal from Locked On NBA Draft, big sorry, Locked On NBA Big Board, our draft expert is going to be along as we start looking at guys the Raptors might be able to target at probably 13 in the draft. Maybe this podcast we do tomorrow with Raphael will be rendered moot because Victor Wembanyama is headed to Toronto in a one percent chance outcome. Uh, we'll figure that out on Tuesday, but yeah, that'll be uh, a good good show tomorrow. So you have that to look forward to, myself and Raphael. All right. Let's get into Pascal Siakam, shall we? Doesn't make all NBA. Not terribly surprising. The Raptors were not a good team this season. They were not one of the stories of the league. And he, while incredible, did kind of peter out at the end of the season. Not even so much at the end of the season, just kind of in the middle of the season. He had a bit of a downturn. January, a slight drop off in production as Fred Van Vliet kind of got got back to form and Scotty Barnes was a better player. Like the team was better for it without having to have Pascal do everything all the time. Um, But it certainly had an impact on his overall numbers. Still, he finishes the season 24-8-6 on 56.5 true shooting. Uh, A really, really wonderful basketball player. And it's a treat to watch him play ball for your Toronto Raptors. At least to me, it is. I have a great time, a great affinity for what the experience is watching Pascal Hoop. Um, But yeah, he misses All-NBA. He's I believe third in terms of forwards off the ballot, Kevin Durant, Larry Markkinen, and then Pascal Siakam, I think tied with Kawhi Leonard, actually, in terms of all NBA votes, 15 total votes. I think it took 83 to get on for Julius Randle, the last guy to make it. So not a very close race. Wasn't just on the edge. I don't think you'd call him a snub necessarily. I think this is probably right where we expected Pascal to slot in, is just on the fringes of the all NBA conversation. This is the player Pascal Siakam is. He's like a top 20 player in the league. Given year, he might sneak into that All-NBA. He's done it twice. Like, that's it's not easy to do. He's done it twice. Could very well do it more, as we'll talk about in a sec. Um, especially as the rule changes come in for next year as far as minimum games played to make All-NBA. Um, it's an argument to be made that maybe he makes it this year if those rules exist. LeBron James. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think um, there's... Uh, there's a lot to sort of sort through now that we know Pascal's not making all NBA, right? And it's all tied to his extension and, and what's coming up. Um, you know, 
the extension situation is tricky. It, it, it's a little bit, you know, it depends. It's going to be like in the eye of the beholder with Pascal as far as like what he wants to do, what he values. Is he moved by the the idea of sort of gambling and betting on himself for more money? Or is he moved by the idea of locking in long-term security? All questions that I can't answer. I'm not Pascal Siakam. I don't know his motivations. I don't profess to know his motivations, but um, certainly a lot to sort of sort through here. So basically, here's how it rolls. Pascal didn't make All-NBA this season. He's eligible for an extension this summer. Had he made All-NBA, he would have been eligible for the Supermax extension, like the big doozy uh, could be up to five years, $290 million had he made All-NBA going into this offseason with the extension. Um, that that Sorry, the extension would be for four years. The full, fresh contract, Supermax, would be for 5290 Or I, I believe making All-NBA opens up that five, fifth year. Either way, the machinations of it aren't very important. He would have made a whole lot of money, a whole lot more money, if he had made All-NBA this year on a potential extension this summer. Now, that's not the case. What the Raptors can do right now for him this summer, without him making All-NBA this year, is the Raptors can offer him a four-year, $192 million extension that runs through 2027-28, which is his age 34 season. I think that's a perfectly cromulent contract to offer a, a, a perennial fringe All-NBA player who is one of the 20 best players alive most of the time. You know, that can oscillate. There are ups and downs, of course, for all these guys, but Pascal is in that conversation as one of the 20 best players in the world. That's awesome. That's a player I think you're happy to pay that money to. Had it been the Super Duper Max, like, look, there's, I know there's like some sort of squeamishness and there's almost like a an almost negative value to signing guys to those massive contracts because they can become very hard to trade. You're seeing this with Damian Lillard right now, for example. But ultimately, I'm in the business of keep the good players on your team. And with Pascal Siakam, he's given no indication that he wants to be anywhere else. He's spoken glowingly of Toronto and how it's home, all of that stuff. I think if you have a guy who's that good, who wants to be around, you do what you can to keep him around instead of just shipping him off because that's what the asset management uh, sort of faction might say is the best move. To me, the best asset management is keep the good players on your team. And that's what Pascal Siakam very much is. Um, you go beyond this summer, say they offer them the extension, and he says no. The reason he'd do that because if he makes All-NBA next season in the final year of his deal, he still could become eligible for that Super Max at the end of next year, which would be five years, 290. Um, that is a lot of money. It's a lot of scratch, a lot of cake. <laughs> and, um, you know, that there's something to be said for Pascal waiting this out, right? You know, $192 million versus, you know, if he makes All-NBA next year, 5290. If he doesn't make All-NBA next year, he could sign with the Raptors for five years, 248 as opposed to the 4-192 that takes him through his age 35 season. Maybe that's compelling to him as opposed to just tacking four years on this summer, you know, adding a, you know, doing the whole five years, getting the security to age 35. Maybe that's compelling to him as well. You know, all these conversations I'm sure will go on between the Raptors and Pascal and his agents and all that as well. But um, that's the sort of situation. Uh, you get through this season, say he goes into next year, makes All-NBA, very good chance he'll be in the running as a pretty durable player. Yes, he got hurt this year, but he still played 71 games despite getting hurt uh, and has been a pretty durable guy over his career with the new 65-game minimum for the All-NBA nod. Uh, there's a very real chance that Pascal, just like by playing enough games, is good enough to be a clear All-NBA guy, uh, as he's been a couple times already. It's not far-fetched to think he could be a second-team All-NBA guy next year if LeBron plays 55 games and Jimmy Butler plays 58 and all this stuff. You know, 
I do think a lot of the stars will probably just try to get themselves to that 65 just so they can be eligible. So maybe they were overhyping this idea that Pascal is going to be one of the few guys who sneaks through and has the requisite number of games played. But uh, certainly there's a chance there for him to bet on himself and say, hey, I can secure myself like an extra $50 million, $45 million, whatever it is, by making All-NBA next season. And maybe that's the bet he wants to make on himself. Wouldn't be the first Toronto Raptor to bet on themselves, of course. Uh, and so uh, if Fred's advising Pascal, maybe that bet on, the sell, on himself is coming. If he leaves as a free agent after next year, he can only sign for four years, $184 million with another team. Um, and, and, you know, that that's maybe he wants to go somewhere else, greener pastures, et cetera, et cetera. But that is a lot of money to turn down, whether it's the $12 million difference between that or $8 million, I guess it is. Or, I don't know. It's all very... Uh, it moves every year with the way the cap goes up and stuff, too, anyway. But either way, he's given money away to go sign with some other team. That's the incentive structure the CBA's built in, right? Like, it makes it harder for guys to say no to the offers from their current teams. If I had to bet, you know, and this is like just like a loose bet based on not a whole lot of, like, intel, but... I think if the Raptors put that four-year 192 extension on the table for him this summer, I think there's a pretty good chance he takes it. Yes, there is the possibility to go and bet on yourself to try to get that All-NBA next year, but by no means is it a sure thing. What if you get hurt and you're in a final year of your deal? You go into the offseason, you know, he's 30 years old or will be 30 years old by the end of next year. That's not to say he's old or anything like that. And I think whatever the contract is that he signs, he's going to age pretty gracefully compared to most guys. Because I, I, I've said this before, I think his game is largely based on like touch and craft and footwork and um, sort of outmaneuvering the other team as opposed to just being more athletic and bouncy than everybody else. Like, I don't think that's ever really been his top skill other than his speed um, in transition and stuff like that. But, you know, I think for the most part, you know, Pascal's kind of like a plodding, more sort of crafty player. He's honestly not far off from like a, a bigger version of a sort of more uh, forward front front court based version of DeMar DeRozan, frankly, in terms of style of play and sort of the way I think it's going to age over the years. You factor in the playmaking, all of that, uh, the sort of basketball IQ he brings to the table. Like he's a guy who I think is going to age pretty well throughout his next contract. And if you're the Raptors and you're thinking we're overlapping Pascal's late prime with Scotty's early prime, that's the bet you're making that he is going to age pretty well through that next deal. But, you know, e even with the, the potential for him to age well, it's a lot to turn down $192 million guaranteed dollars that gets you to free agency one year earlier than if you signed the five-year deal after this coming season. You know, if, if the Raptors were to go do that thing, um, you know, he gets to free agency a year earlier in a, in a world where the cap's going to be up. So maybe that's an incentive for him as well, uh, you know, sort of maximizing money on the back end. Will he still be a max player by the end of, the, of that run? Maybe not. But, um, you know, I, I think obviously most players are going to have pretty high designs on what they're going to do and how they're going to age and all that stuff. So it, it's hard to figure out here. Ultimately, I think the Raptors will get this done. I, I think, you know, unless the, the world comes where they trade Pascal, which I know there's plenty of internet reportage going on that, oh, the Raptors are open to discussions on Pascal. Like, yeah, I bet they are. Like, they, they just lost in the playing game, and it was a disaster season for the most part. Like, they're going to listen on everybody. Doesn't mean they're going to find a deal for him. And I really, just when I look around the league, don't see a ton of really compelling offers where I'm, like, happy to move on from Pascal Siakam for some poo-poo platter of young players and picks, most of whom, or all of whom, will never become as good as Pascal Siakam is. So, 
I think the prudent action here is to just keep them. I honestly think for a lot of folks, like it's going to be a disappointing summer because I think it's going to be a pretty status quo summer, frankly. I don't think there's going to be massive sea changes as far as personnel, as I talked about on yesterday's show. The everydayers will know that. Um, but yeah, as far as the, uh, the extension stuff, I think the not making All-NBA adds more uncertainty to it. Had he made it, I think the Raptors just kind of offer him this summer and it's it's done and dusted. But um, I still think I'd go like 60-40, 70-30. The Raptors end up getting this done this summer and lock Pascal in for the next four years beyond next year, the final year of his current deal. And I hope that happens. Again, I think it's uh, the, the right move to try to keep the very good player on your team. Shocker, I know. Uh, we're going to come back on the other side, close things out with a question from a listener regarding the dreaded mid-level exception. Uh, the thing that works out sometimes, but often, blows up in your face. Uh, so we'll get to that, dig into some potential targets for the Raptors with that mid-level exception. Of course, we'll play mid-level madness, everybody's favorite pulling names from a hat game a little bit later on, closer to free agency uh, with all these guys, but just some quick thoughts on some names that pop off the screen when I scroll through the spot track list of free agents. We'll get to that in a hot second here. Before we do that, however, Locked on Leafs, the Buds, baby. They win last night, and I am fully back believing. I got the passion flowing through me once again. Go listen to Locked on Leafs with Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti as they run through everything going on with the Buds as they look to make history coming back from down 3-0 against the Florida Panthers. Uh, go check them out. They do a wonderful job. They're killing it over there. Locked on Leafs, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's uh, round this thing out here and dig into listener question from our pal Arthur08 in the Discord asking, who should the Raptors target with their mid-level exception? And look, before we dive into some names, some caveats and some thoughts on the mid-level exception. I know it's sort of branded every year as like, this is the main way by which teams are going to add talent and get better. And for teams that are up against the cap, that's often very true. It's the main way to do it. I think there's maybe a bit of a misconception in that, like, this is always a successful endeavor. And the Raptors are living proof that it just ain't. Aaron Baines, mid-level exception. The day was signed. Wow, what a great backup option for the Raptors after, you know, not getting Gasol and Ibaka, after the Giannis signing the Supermax, leaving them without a center. What a great way for them to fill in the gap, have a stopgap solution for a year. Eh, didn't work. Uh, Otto Porter Jr., you bring him in. He is hurt, and despite looking good in the eight games played, he played eight games, and that was a risk going in. I agreed with the signing at the time. I still agree with the signing and the process of it. I know you have to bake in his injury history. I don't think you could expect he was going to miss all but eight games. Um, That's just weird, unfortunate luck, and they still have him on contract for next year. There's still a world in which Otto Porter Jr. gives the Raptors some value on that partial, you know, the subset of the mid-level exception. That would be great, and I'm rooting for that big time. A good Otto Porter Jr. season next year will go a long way to fixing a lot of the depth issues the Raptors have had. Um, You know, beyond that, you know, the Raptors, they got C.J. Miles with the MLE. That was pretty effective, but ultimately he 
didn't play in like the playoffs and stuff. Like by the time it was all over, um, you know, I, I love CJ Miles, wonderful Toronto Raptor. I think that was more or less a success. But that's the kind of range you're looking at here is like guys who probably aren't going to change your life. They can help, but they're not going to change the fortunes of your team necessarily. I believe Ken Birch was also signed with a, a bit of the MLE as well, and that deal did not work out either. So with all that, you know, who should the Raptors target with their MLE? What's the type of player they should go after? And for me. Obviously, shooting is the thing. One, two, three. Like, all of the things. They got to have shooting on this roster. They have to balance the roster with more space and three-point shooting threats to help the development of Scotty Barnes to help overcome the spacing conundrum that will be having Barnes, Siakam, and Pirtle on the same team. Um, I think you can work around it. I think, you know, yes, those guys will start together. Turns out they were awesome as a starting group together, and it worked. It's not going to work in all matchups and iterations, but if you have multiple options you can cycle through, you can still get all those guys to their minutes while still having proper spacing and well put together, geometrically speaking, in terms of like court geometry lineups. And so for me, shooting is like the number one skill I'm looking at here. And I don't even care where the shooting comes from. It could be a, a shooting big. I think that's maybe actually kind of an interesting idea. It could be uh, a shooting guard who just ha has the ball, maybe has a pull-up threat, all this stuff. It could be a wing type. Like I, I don't really have a preference just give me someone who can bomb away and so some names that come to mind bit of a stealthy one here he's playing pretty well in the playoffs right now he's not the player he used to be he would be a backup player for the Raptors for sure but I'm kind of intrigued by Kevin Love you know he's obviously again like not the same player the lateral quickness isn't there but as someone who you're up against a team where the spacing is a bit of a problem, maybe Yak can't close because he's not hitting his free throws in a game or whatever. They're doing hacky Yak. Having Kevin Love in there, I mean, imagine the game against the Bulls where Pirtle was struggling, the, the spacing was totally just like completely junked up in the second half because of the lack of shooting across the floor. Gary Trent Jr. wasn't able to play because he was just totally out of sorts. Imagine having a Kevin Love to throw in and close that game with at center. The space that would provide for a Pascal or a Scotty Barnes driving lane. I think there's something to it with Kevin Love. I don't hate the idea. And I, like, he's not going to cost a ton. He might even cost less than the full MLE. Um, Jamichael Green comes to mind. Someone who inserted into the lineup for the Warriors a couple games ago. And it just like worked beautifully uh, when Kevon Looney was hurt. I think game two against the Lakers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, Jamichael Green. Dude's been around the way. He's been across a million different teams at this point, but it seems like every team he's on loves having Jamichael Green on the team. So that's an option for me as sort of a, a small ball five option who, you know, has some rebounding chops, has some three-point shooting chops, all of that. Trey Lyles comes to mind. Shout out Canadian Trey Lyles. You know, he's leaving the, uh, the, the, the Kings most likely as a free agent. Shot 36% from three this past season. Had his best year ever, I would argue, with that Kings team. What a great little player he'd be off the bench, right? Like, you slide him in there. You know, he could kind of almost fill that Otto Porter role that you expected to have filled. And then if Porter comes back and is good, then all of a sudden, wow, you've got two of the same guy. Not a bad thing for a team that lacks depth and could use shooting options and, and guys to just kind of sprinkle in. You know, you could play Trey Lyles as a small ball five as well in a pinch, probably. It just gives you more versatility and options to go to. Then you go away from the bigs and sort of wing types, and you look at guards. And a few guys come to mind. Number one, I mean, hard to get a better shooter than Seth Curry. <laughs> he's, a free, he's a free agent right now, uh, or will be a free agent in the summer. And look, bad defender. I know, but 
for bench lineups, when you have other good defenders out there, you have OG, you have, in theory, a more developed version of Scotty, you have Christian Coloco or Yaka Pertle or Otto Porter Jr. if he's healthy. I feel like you can insulate Seth Curry against second units, and you know that could be a way, honestly, if the Raptors just let Gary Trent Jr. walk. Seth Curry could be a way to replicate a lot of what Gary Trent Jr. does. Trent's a better defender. He's going to force more turnovers, get the sort of transition machine going. He's probably a bit more of like a streaky sort of, oh my God, he's on a heater, let him cook, cut, cut type of player. But I think Seth Curry, if you are going to let a guy like Gary Trent Jr. walk, what a perfect sort of stopgap replacement to fill in coming off the bench. And a guy who's a little bit more accustomed to playing off the bench as well. So there's not that sort of uh, sort of political stuff you got to deal with there either. So Seth Curry, I'm pretty interested in. Lonnie Walker, I mean, he's coming off that podium game in the playoffs. Maybe he's skyrocketed his value past the MLE. I don't see that really happening, but uh, Lonnie Walker's always been a guy who's intrigued me. He's kind of always been like Terrence Ross adjacent to me, just like super talented, super athletic, can shoot threes, but doesn't shoot threes as well as you wish they could shoot threes. Um, but Lonnie Walker seems like a cool dude who is very good in a certain role. And if you can kind of put him off the bench, have him be a bit of a, you know, again, kind of replace the Gary Trent Jr. role. Maybe this is the way they go about doing that. Get similar production for half the price and less of a long-term commitment. Lonnie Walker Jr. could be, or Lonnie Walker the fourth, not Jr. Um, who is Walker Jr.? I'm, and now I'm losing my mind. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Lonnie Walker could be that guy. Again, not like historically an amazing three-point shooter or anything like that, but was 36.5% this year, up to 35% for his career. It's better than what a lot of the Raptors got going three-point shooting-wise. I could get on board with that. Maybe he comes in a little too high, but, you know, 12 points, two boards, and an assist on the season. As much as that podium game was awesome, I I don't think Lonnie Walker is going to command a massive market out there. So maybe he's moving. Another Laker, Dennis Schroeder, who, man... No player has ever been more confusing to me, just like year to year, week to week, as Dennis Schroeder to me, where like sometimes I think he's just like all empty calories and not a player you want to have in a winning situation. And other times he's like an instrumental part of a championship team. It's wild. It's like a very bizarre, one of the more unique and interesting careers, I think, in NBA history. And maybe Dennis Schroeder is the type of guy you bring in as your backup point guard. If you bring Fred Van Vliet back, if Fred walks, maybe he's like your in a pinch starting option, which I don't love (laughs) because that seems like you're asking too much and leaning on Dennis Schroeder for too much, but that's a potential option. Uh, And then a couple other guys, sort of like flyery type, second draft types, Jalen Noel out of Minnesota. I feel like we talked about him a little bit, kind of just buckets man. Could use a buckets man on this team for sure. Shake Milton also kind of, I know he's not really ever been all that impressive with the Sixers. Maybe there's something you can milk out of Shake Milton. I'm not totally sure. Milk out of Shake. Uh, <laughs> weird. Anyway, that's kind of my my preliminary list of guys. We will dig into uh, way more in depth all these players and more as we get closer to free agency and all that stuff. But wanted to answer that question from our pal Arthur08 in the Discord. If you would like to have your questions read on the podcast, get in the Discord, baby. That's where I'm prioritizing them, man. Just jump on in. Link is in the description. The community is really, really fun. Uh, again, we'll be talking about Zelda quite a bit as it drops tomorrow, and I think you won't be seeing me Outside of doing this podcast, no one will be seeing me for months after <laughs> once that game drops. Um, this will be the only beacon of me out into the world, I think, as I hunch in front of my TV. Either way, the Discord's super fun. Get in there. You get your mailbag questions answered. Do fake trades. And actually, 
I'll tease this now. Next week, we're going to start a new recurring feature on the show. Every Friday, we're going to do a thing called Fake Trade Friday, where someone from the Discord puts forth a trade idea. I will bring them on the podcast and tell them why it's a horrible idea, basically. It's going to be super fun, and there's a really, really juicy one from the Discord that we'll be getting into next Friday, likely with our pal Ben Chapman to get this thing rolling on. With that... We're done. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back again Friday. Raphael Barlow talking about the NBA draft and the guys the Raptors might be in the mix for, potentially, at 13, if that's, in fact, where they end up in the draft. In the meantime, support the podcast, follow, rate, review, subscribe on YouTube, all that good stuff. And uh, thank you, as always, for being the everydayers of the show, for tuning in, and for supporting. Uh, You're the reason I do it. Thank you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for hanging. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.